Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, Global, and all the friends of Global. Uh, I hope life's treating you well. Uh, I hope you're overcoming uh, in things in life. I hope you're, you're, you're waking up to the fact that God wants you to be more than a conqueror. He wants you to be a giant killer. You know, in life, we'll, we'll be faced with giant possibilities. And we've, we've, we've got to be people that are ready to take those uh, giant possibilities because life passes us by. And there's nothing worse than thinking like I was going to, I nearly. You know, a survey was done on old people. I think they were over 70 years old. One of the questions, there were asked many questions on the questionnaire. And when they talked about regrets, they said they wished they would have attempted more things in life. You know, so often when an opportunity comes, it, it, it terrifies us. I want to say this, that... Everything that you're going for in life, your vision, your dream, will be surrounded by a force field, an invisible force field of fear. It is protected by fear because the God of this world, which is Satan, that's how he operates. He operates in bluff, in intimidation, in fear, in lies. And and so he puts a force field of fear around. If you remember in the Old Testament, when Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land just to spy it out and come back with some good good report, two came back with a good report, two, uh, 10 came back with a bad report. And they saw the same things. And they saw that it was amazing, full of massive opportunities, but full of giants. Uh, there was giants in the land. And they'll kill us and they'll have us for breakfast and yada yada, and they'll eat our children. What about our children? And so, uh, you know, Joshua and Caleb, they saw exactly the same, but they had a different attitude. Why? Because they'd allowed the Holy Spirit to train them as younger men, to be men of battle, men who could seize the day, men who could see potential and not be intimidated by what, what might happen and what might not happen. And the Israelites missed out and they wandered in a desert for 40 years. What should have been less than 14 days journey from Kadesh Barnea, into the promised land. It took 40 years and a whole generation died out. Why? Because they listened to fear and not faith. And I want to train us and encourage us as church to, to be people of faith. And we, we it's not that we don't have fear. I have fears, don't get me wrong. I have fears, but I feel the fear and do it anyway. And there's a book out called that, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It's a brilliant book. Uh, I forget the authoress's name, but she's a great writer and it, it helped me a lot uh, when I read it years ago. I was going through the credit crunch, like many of you, and uh, she helped me in so many ways in that book. But um, so I, I, I want us to, to be people of faith like Caleb and Joshua, but also like David with Goliath. And David was a young man. Scholars reckon he was like 15, 16 years old. Uh, and, and I want to say this, faith in a young man is just as powerful as faith in an old man. 
Because faith isn't, it's timeless. It's not like, well, you've got to wait till you've been a Christian for 30 years before you can exercise faith. No, 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 my friend. You can start right now. You can, and as a young man, maybe I'm speaking to a teenager, somebody that's maybe even nine or 10 or 11 or 12, and I want to say, have faith. And when you speak things out that you think God's saying, you know, for your future, speak them out. You've nothing to lose, but you've everything to gain. And watch how, how you know, the Bible says, watch how your future unfolds. The Bible says that the, there's the power of life and death is in our tongue. And we've got to learn to speak it out. You watch how David spoke to Goliath. He didn't say, well, maybe God will turn up. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to come and knock your head off if I can, maybe, perhaps. He said, today, you're going down and I will cut your head off. Can you imagine all Israelite army going, oh, he's uncouth, he's uncouth. Because they had only fear. It'll never happen, it'll never happen. And it did happen. I love it. Can you remember the, the, the Scottish singer? I forget her name now. And uh on The X Factor. Sue, Susie, Susie, whatever she's called. She, when she started singing, when she came on and everyone's like, mm, and everyone's cringing. I'm like, what a mess, what a mess. And then she started to sing. And Simon Cowell's jaw dropped. And every one of us was amazed. I dreamed the dream or something like that she sang. And, and I'm trying to fight back tears in the living room trying to like hold it all together. And I thought, well done. We're so happy for her. You know, it, it, everyone had written her off before she'd even, you know, sang a note. But when she sang, so she might not have had the social skills and be cool in the cool camp. But you know, when it came to her lane, she took off. I want to say about you, this young shepherd boy, David, he didn't have the armor, he didn't have this, that and the other, but when he got into his lane, he took off. He took off Goliath's head. <laughs> and you know, you might not have this, that and the other. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on who you do have and how he's trained you over the years. And David would write years later, my God trains my hands for why. And you know, God wants to train you and me in the area of faith and living a victorious life. This is biblical teaching. This is not in, in any sort of cultural context in this world. You typical that, typical this. No, this is biblical stuff. We are more than conquerors for Christ, through Christ. So last week we didn't get very far. We looked at giant killers are not born that way. They become that way. Number two, we looked at giant killers see the potential reward if they defeat the giant and there are rewards and the greater the reward and greater the level that you go up sorry greater the challenge greater the reward I should say and people that have gone higher and further they have met bigger and tougher Goliaths than what you or I have met and so we've got to learn to go that way so number three giant killers don't listen to doubting critics Giant killers do not listen. Be careful who you listen to. I'll tell you why. Because everyone, everyone who has never killed a giant, laws tell you you can't kill a giant. Everyone who's never started a business, laws tell you the problems with starting a business. Everyone who's, who's never had a marriage that's lasted 
a lifetime will tell you it's impossible. I'm, no moral judgment, no, I'm just saying. And I'll tell you why. Because as an immoral an immoral teenager that I was, I, I thought I would get married, but I never thought I'd be faithful. Never thought I'd be faithful. I just thought it's too long. I'd, I'd never be able to last. I'm too big a flirt. I'm too big of this. I'm too big of that. You know, 35 years this February, Shelley and I, uh, this March. <laughs> Don't tell her I said February. First of March, St. David's Day, we got married. We've been married, happily married. Well, I have anyway, for nearly 30, for almost 35 years. It can happen. And I'm speaking that out to a new generation. And I want you to hear, yes, it can happen. Yes, when you say, I do, it can be forever. You'll have to work at it. You'll, you'll have to learn how to submit to each other. Not just the wife submitting to the husband, although that's very important. But the, the husband learned to submit to the wife when she's got the better idea and she's further on in some things than you are and having the humility to say, you see it. I'm going to go your way, babe, because, sorry, it's what I call my wife, I just call her babe. I've been a nightclubber for years. <laughs> I'll go her way. Why? Because it's better than what I've got. And it's more in line with where we're going. And we've got to learn. There is give and take. But there's also learning to, and, and respect and respect your partner enough. You say, well, I'm not having her telling me what to do. Well, don't marry her then. Find somebody that you respect enough to listen to. Anyway, let me get off marriage. Let me move back. But I'm just saying I want to give hope to a new generation that says it can't happen. Me and Shelley fell in love as teenagers and we courted for four years. We've been married for 35. That must be 39 years together. That's awesome. And I, and I love it. And I don't despise nothing. I love it. And it can work. And having kids is not a burden that you can't. It's just tough at times, but the rewards outstrip anything that, that is tough. Anything you want in life, you've got to work hard at anyway. Even if God gives it you, that you've still got to work at it. A marriage made in heaven has got to be worked at on earth. Ooh. So anyway. Anyway, let's get away from the doubting critics who say, this can't happen, your business can't happen, a marriage can't last forever. I want to say, yes, it can. Well, kids, they've got to get in, go through the delinquency phase and they've got to experiment in things. No, they do not. No, they do not. That's a lie from the devil. You don't have to go down a rat hole to know what's down there. You don't have to. You're tempted to, but you don't have to go down. We've got to head people off and help them not to make them bad choices. But that's up to them. That is up to them. I don't stand here as the moral judge of my church. I'm here to, to, to put out God's truth and, and, and God's love and God's compassion and God's strength and God's father heart. And Shelley brings that mother heart from God. You know, and, and together we're trying to build communities. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's up to you. I'm not here to live your life for you. I, I, you know, I don't want to control your life. I want you to control it. Even God doesn't want to control your life. He wants you to control it. Anyway, can, can we get on to the talk? Here we go. Giant killers don't listen to doubting critics. You can easily determine the calibre of a person by the amount of opposition it takes to discourage you. You know, the devil's persistent. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
I am a nightmare to the devil. It's like, are you still going? <laughs> I've been in ministry for almost 40 years. Are you still going? People talk to me about retirement and I get tempted sometimes and I just think, but what would I do in retirement? I tell people about church, church, Jesus and, I, and they need a community then of like-minded people. And it's like I'd go and build, I'd plant churches. So I'm here for the long haul. And I know the devil looks at me and Shelley and just says, I give up. And I know that there's days that he looks at me and he has to walk away and think, I can't touch him. I can't. He just, I've thrown my best at him and he still bounces back. I do a talk on your bounce back ability. That's what we've got to have. So, uh, and I speak like that about the devil because people think he's like God. Uh, on, uh, omniscient, uh, om omnipotent, sorry. Well, omniscient as well, all-knowing and all-powerful, and he's not. He's a created being, and he gets tired. And our perseverance and persistence drives him nuts, and I want to keep driving him nuts. And I want to set people free from his lies and stuff. So anyway, what does it take? You can tell the calibre of a person of what it takes to take them down. So it's like, you know, to discourage them. That's what, that's what I'm saying. And maybe today you're discouraged and I want to encourage you and just say, well done, you didn't give up. You just got discouraged. Don't give up, keep going. Time's a great thing. And I mentioned the other week, have you ever had a, you've been having a great time and a great life and then all of a sudden you think, this can't last forever. Something bad's going to happen. Yeah. It's called witchcraft, is that, by the way, but I'm just saying that attacks us all. Why are we saying that? It's because we know that our presence is vulnerable to change. And I want to say your discouragement is vulnerable to change. Encouragement will come your way. It's beautiful. And I want to encourage you today. It's coming your way from me, with love, from the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Spirit to the saints. So, giant killers, don't listen to doubting critics. Like David, we must do three things to handle our critics. Number one, we must get by our Eliabs. Eliabs come to in intimidate us emotionally. Eliab was David's older brother. Let me read to you from 1 Samuel 17, starting at verse 28, it said, when Eliab David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men about what will be done for the man who kills Goliath. He burned with anger at David and he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your art is. You came down only to watch the battle. David's response is brilliant, brilliant young kid. He says, now what have I done? said David. Can I even speak? He then turned away. That's the point. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered as before. So if we're going to get rid of our doubting critics, we've, we've got to get past people within our family that intimidate us emotionally. And, um, you know, there's, there's people within my church. And I remember saying to, uh, you know, to, to, to one couple, they're amazing people, uh, amazing leaders and amazing business people. 
And uh, and, and I, I was saying to the wife, I said, I think you're the visionary. And I said to the husband, you're the one that makes the vision happen. You know, they're both great team. They really are. She made the mistake of telling somebody that, and you know, family member and the family member's like, you think you are? You're the visionary. It's because we don't use that kind of language in families and we need to bring it in because there's visionaries in your family. And there'll be people that don't necessarily get the vision, but they're persuaded by the vision and say, I can help you make that vision happen. You know, like the two, the two uh, young 20-year-olds, you know, early 20s, they could come and help me with my vision. Didn't take me long to say, can you decorate? Can, do you think you could do a full house? They'd only done one room in the past. And, and, and I'm saying, do you reckon you could do a all house? And they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy. But they, they helped me. I'm the visionary. They've helped me to make it happen. It's beautiful. They'll become, well, they are visionaries, really. They'll become visionaries very soon. And that, that gift of being a visionary needs to mature. And uh, age doesn't mature it. But being around other visionaries matures it. And you can supplement that with some books and things on vision. But, um, but you know, being around visionaries, that's how holiness is learnt. It's not by reading books on holiness. It's being around holy men and holy women. Women and men that are set apart for Jesus in every area of their life. Anyway, moving on. So Eliab's in our life, family, usually family members, our friends, they intimidate us emotionally by going, I think you're doing it because of this. Don't listen to the critics. Listen to your heart. There's a song in there. Number two, we must get past our souls. Saul was the king of Israel, and that's who David looked for, looked to. He's thinking Saul will go and take this giant out, and Saul didn't. He looked. David looked to his leader, and his leader didn't live like a leader. He could talk like a leader. He could walk like a leader. And with his armour on, he could look like a leader. But you know what? He didn't lead. And pity the person that has to follow a leader, whether it's in, in the job, in the career, or in church. When you've got to follow a leader who's lost it, who maybe never had it in the, in the beginning, but maybe they had it at one stage like Saul, but they lost it, but they still want to have the appearance of, uh, uh, as a leader. Pity the people that have to follow somebody like that um, because you're not going to get very far. David, David wanted to respect Saul and David called himself a servant to Saul. Your servant will go and fight this, this giant, your servant. And so I'm not, I never talk about going against leadership, but you know something? When leaders are, are, are not performing in, in the sense that they, they, they need to make things happen, then you're not bound there. And there is loyalty. Loyalty and faithfulness are good, but we're also called to be fruitful. And uh, I, I, I do some teaching about this. It's too sensitive just to throw some sentences out, but you know, just a quick understanding of when you think, you know what, we've been going around this mountain so many times. We know what next year is going to look like and the year after. Nothing really changes. We just redecorate the mountain, but really we're on the same mountain. We're not making progress. And if you're in that, if you're stuck like that, you need to remove yourself gently. Not having to go at anybody, but you remove yourself from under their authority and move to somebody uh, who you can follow, who's follow the man who's following God. It's just a, a, something that helped me during the 80s 
when people were leaving denominations and should you stay in, should you come out, and the new charismatic renewals happening uh, throughout Britain and a lot of a, a, a lot of friction and, and falling out and different things were happening. And when it hits you for a first and you've not, not got the wisdom to know what to do, then a lot of leaders in the church didn't know what to do. And it, it, they were hitting their firsts. And I remember 10 years later, there were a lot of people apologising to each other. And I thought that was smart. I thought that was beautiful. That leaders, you know, were a bit rough with each other during that time. And, uh, uh, you know, but they had the humility to come back and say, we didn't really know what we were doing, but we knew something had to happen. And we did our best with what we had. And we're sorry that we, we weren't as skilled and things could have been done better. It was beautiful to see as a younger man watching leaders humble themselves towards each other. But during that time, a man spoke out and he said, he was questioned and they said to him, uh, should we stay in our denomination, should we leave? And he said, follow the man who's following God. And that's just a, it's just a helpful thing. Back to King Saul. So King Saul should have led his army into battle and he didn't. And the Sauls in our life are there to intimidate us by their position. Let me read to you from what Saul said to David. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. You've got to get past that. And I've got to get past that. And I've had respectable people, Christian and non-Christian, speak into my life. And some didn't realise just how much they were putting me down. <laughs> Call me sensitive. But um, it's funny. I've been put down by some great people. But you've got to, you've got to move beyond that. And, and that's part and parcel. You get rewarded when, when you move past the, your Eliabs and your souls. You've got to break through that. And so many people are stuck because somebody in a position of responsibility and authority has said, it can't happen. It can't be done. It can't be this and it can't be that. Honestly, when, when we've done our own work, we've done our thinking about it and we've visualised it, we can see it and we sense it at some stage, we've just got to say, I hear what you're saying, but I still think it can be done. And you know what? Whether you get it right or not, in one sense, at one level doesn't matter. Just simply because you're now training yourself to think for yourself and to make decisions for yourself. And that's important. And don't let defeat, don't let one or two defeats you know, knock your back and, and knock your confidence too much that you don't attempt again. And maybe I'm speaking to all the leaders here today and I want to say to you, go again. You say, well, I tried this and I tried that and it didn't work. How are people ever going to follow me? You're like, what? because if you'll persevere, you will break through. You will have victories in your life. And if you're a leader, you're meant to have victories in your life. Get back on the bike or get back on your horse Whatever it is, you know, you fall off your back, you've got to get back on. That's the best remedy for, for if you've ever fallen off a back, it's the best remedy for avoiding failure. Not avoiding failure, overcoming failure and finding your victory.
is to get back in the saddle and do it again and do it again and keep going. Uh, change tack if you've got something wrong. Get some wisdom from somebody else. But keep going and you'll get the victory. Have another go. So anyway, I love David's response. Can I just say his response to Saul was? But David said to Saul, your servant, twice now he said that to him, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said, go and the Lord be with you. Oh, please. Still protecting his, I'm the leader. Yeah, yeah, yes, go and the Lord will be with you. Ought to be ashamed of himself. But David, the young boy, went. And uh, I love it. So we, if, if we're going to be giant killers before we even get to the giant we've got to deal with doubting critics so and and those are people of our family who intimidate us emotionally people in responsibility who intimidate us by their position by their level in life and last of all we must we must overcome our goliath and goliaths intimidate us with their ability the very presence of them, you just think you are amazing. And their ability intimidates us. And let me just read about Goliath. So you've had Eliab having a dig, having a go at David. You've had King Saul having a go at David. Family, government, and now the enemy. The enemy says this. Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him. So that's two that David's coming up against, really. Kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he's awful, isn't it? Your enemy does despise you, by the way. <laughs> Satan hates you. Do you, wanna, you know, when you become a Christian, he hates you even more. When you start worshipping Jesus, he hates you even more. But he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And I can't just leave it out here. David's response, beautiful. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He lets him know you crossed a line. And when you cross that line, I know God's going to back me up. And he comes against his enemy. So David's critics said things like, you don't belong here. You're too young. You are full of pride. You are inexperienced. It was tough because the criticism was continual. He just seemed to bounce from one to another to another. And he could have given up. And I'm so glad he didn't give up. 
I'm speaking to somebody today. Do not give up. People are looking to you. And God is looking to you saying, you can do it. You can do it. I can fill you with wisdom. I can fill you with power and strength. And you can overcome your enemy. You can overcome whatever it is that, uh, that you need to overcome in order, in order to get your victory. This continual bombardment of criticism came from respectable people and people that he respected, apart from Goliath, obviously, but they were respectable people and they questioned his motives and his abilities. Remember, everyone who has never killed a giant will tell you that it's not possible to kill a giant. So I want to encourage you today, whether you're starting a relationship with people, with somebody, not with people, or it could be a group of people, you're new in, in your job, or you want to start a business, and all these thoughts attack you. Remember, there's a force field of fear around your future, and you've got to penetrate that by faith, and you've got to overcome it. And speak some words out. Notice David spoke to his enemy. Speak to your fear. Speak to your insecurities. They say, I don't belong here. I'm, I, I'm not good at this. Speak to it. The Bible says Jesus has qualified us to have eternal life. Well, if you've got eternal life, oh, that's, that's big. That, you've got plenty of scope to go at life. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 